Take the CA wherever you go. Download the Commercial Appeal app on your smartphone or tablet and get push alerts when breaking news happens. It's a free download for your iPhone and iPad in the Apple App Store and in the Google Play Store for your Android device. This is the Grizzlies Podcast with Grizzlies beat reporter Ron Tillery, columnist Jeff Calkins, and pick-and-pop columnist Chris Harrington. I'm Jeff Calkins, and I will be uh, starting out here. Uh, Chris Harrington is wearing a Twin Cities cap, so there's a certain Twin Cities theme tonight as the Grizzlies wrap up their exhibition season in the Twin Cities with a game tonight against the Timberwolves. And let's start with health, Ron. Uh, first of all, who who isn't going to play tonight, and 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 how much of that is health is is health related? The usual suspects. I mean, um, health related would be Chandler Parsons and Tony Allen, obviously, and and then Marcus saw with the revelation of his bone bruise in the right foot, and then I just think you know he's just taking care of a man and right and and uh, you know just going to go with the young guys and. and let them audition for the league. Um, Mike Conley won't play a lot, but that's not a health issue. Um, so it's a, it's a mixture of both, actually. Let's and then how about this? Uh-huh. I don't know if it was a Band-Aid or whatever, but we're back together again. The band is back. I think we've all three of us haven't have not been together for the for the yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're gonna, it's gonna it's exactly who's gonna be in the starting lineup for the for, uh, let's start with Mark. Um, yeah. What's your level of concern about Marcus All and that foot? Well, you know, I, I I I want to not be very concerned, but the Grizzlies just won't let you. I mean, like it's just so weird. I'm in Houston. You know, the scene is very disturbing. He goes back into the locker room, and then everybody tries to downplay it, and they call it a sore ankle. Now, either the ankle is twisted, or sprained. I've I've never, if ever, heard sore ankle. And so then you get to practice a couple of days later, and the ankle's not even mentioned. It's all about the bone bruise in his foot, uh, but it's not the same bone that was broken. So, you know what, Jeff and Chris, your guess is as good as mine. Thoughts on that, Chris? I mean, at some point, like the ankle and the the ankle becomes the foot, and like there's there's a little bit of like semantic issue there of like where one stops and the other begins. I guess and I gather this injury is somewhere around the the border the border territory between those two things. Yeah. I, I would be concerned that. Um, I think, Ron, you're right that they are very self-conscious about all the injury stuff now. Um, I would be worried about their self-consciousness impacting their care. I mean, I I wouldn't want them to, like, rush him back to prove nothing's wrong. You know what I'm saying? Right. Right. I I guess here's my question. This whole weirdness about injuries, there's two different questions. One is they don't communicate clearly or haven't historically about injuries, what's wrong, disinformation or, or, or lack of information about it. At some level, we care about that, and the fans care about that, but that matters much less than the second thing, which has also been an issue, which seems to be recurring injuries, injuries that linger, inger, injuries where you know in a second procedure where there's a, we expected there to be just a first. Right. That is of much larger concern because that actually impacts who's going to be on the floor and when. Are those related, Ron? Are they like those, those two different concerns? Are they both continuing concerns? And are you and, and because the second one is the more is the more important one, are you confident about that at least? If not their level ability to communicate or willingness to communicate, at least their ability to 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 give the players the care that they need. Well, that all depends on, you know, what area of the medical staff you think is flawed. 
you know, I mean, you think the guys at the Campbell Clinic aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing, which I happen to don't believe. I think Azar and Manziel are awesome. Or do you think that the training staff, once the procedure is done, is not doing its job at the highest level? You know, and is that the reason why Drew Graham, the head trainer, over the last eight to ten years, was let go? So it's hard, it's hard to discern. Now, as we're speaking, fellas, the Grizzlies just sent out another injury update. Your rookie, Wade Baldwin, is now questionable with a left knee. Well, that's good. Uh, right. thought, your thoughts, Chris, on that sort of untangling those questions? I, I, well, I mean, clearly the team thought they had issues with their training staff. Otherwise, they would not have made changes to their training staff. I mean, I think right. that's pretty transparent. Um, whether that all gets cleared up going forward, you know, we're, we're going to find out. Um, it's, in terms of, like, other players you mentioned, I, I, everything I'm hearing is that Marcus All will play opening night. Everything I'm hearing is Chandler Parsons will not play opening night. Everyone else... I, I don't know. I, I sense Tony Allen is probable, probably, but I don't know where Brandon Wright is. I don't know where Jarrell Martin is. Do you have any idea on those guys, Ron? Well, I, I think Jarrell Martin is probably more of an issue than, than Brandon Wright. Uh, I get a sense that, you know, that foot is, is is what Jeff talked about, one of those lingering things with Jarrell Martin. Whereas Brandon Wright, you know, they just want to make sure that, uh, you know, he, he's ready to go. Now, Tony, it's, it's hard to tell because, you know, Tony is his own trainer. Right. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't care if you got the uh, preeminent trainer in the whole wide world. Tony's gonna listen to Tony's body, and so I, I, I expect I would be shocked if he's not out there opening night. Um, uh, you know, I just think Tony's taking care of himself. This might be a veteran move uh, to miss training camp. Uh, he's been around all summer, uh, but um, you know, I guess the other thing, guys, is, is like who else might be on the roster. Right. Uh, there's been a buzz about which one of these training camp invitees, and when we left off the last time, we talked about DJ Stephan, but Troy Williams is is making a really hard push and making it very difficult for the Grizzlies to cut him. Well, let me ask you. Let, I'll start with Ron, and then because I know Chris has a theory on this. Ron, let me ask you first: um, if they are going to keep a non-guaranteed player, is he the player they would keep? And if so, how would they? How do you believe they should go about keeping him? Well, he's the player that they should keep because he's clearly established himself uh, uh, among the, the the young guys. He's 21 years old. You know, he's six seven. He he's a, a great athlete. Uh, he can shoot the three, rebound, guard, um, and then that there might be a tinge of insurance uh, against Chandler Parsons in case you know he's in and out of the lineup. Um, I, I've said this before, and, and it's nothing against the kid because I've had great conversations with Jordan Adams. Uh, he's a nice kid. But at a time when you're investing in, in the guard position with Baldwin and Harrison and Troy Daniels, and I, I just don't know how you continue to invest in Jordan Adams, who, who at best would be ready to play in March, but why would, why would Fisdale play him? And then you have to consider the fourth-year option on his rookie deal. So Chris, if, that, if yeah. that's an easy, that to me that's an easy decision. Chris, how would you do it? Um, I, I'm with Ron. I'll elaborate a little bit on on, on both of it. I, I think it's it's become pretty clear to me, and I haven't only I haven't seen him play other than in game one, which is garbage time. So this is not like my opinion of his play, but just from poking around, my sense is that Troy Troy Williams is absolutely if if they were to keep any of these on roster guys, it's clearly that's the guy. It's not DJ Stephens as celebrated as he is right. in Memphis. I think it is Troy Williams. As far as I don't have a theory as much as a suggestion. 
if I were running the Grizzlies and I wanted to free up a roster spot to keep Troy Williams or, to, or for some outside player, here's what I would do. And I am 95% sure this is all legal under, under the collective bargaining agreement. If I ran the Grizzlies, hopefully I would be 100%, but I'm like 95% sure. <laughs> I go to Jordan Adams and I say, look, you're not ready to play yet. You're not going to be ready to play until the spring, like Ron said. And even if you're ready to play in the spring, you, you haven't played for two years. It's going to take you a while to get back. So you are not going to be a meaningful NBA player this season. That's not going to happen. We're going to cut you. Your contract is fully guaranteed this season. You're getting paid every penny of it. We're going to cut you. We want you to sign a contract with the Iowa Energy. And, and we will pay for and monitor your continue to pay for and monitor all of your rehab because we own the Iowa energy. And so even though technically you're not under contract with the Grizzlies, we rerun the energy. So we're going to, we're going to keep working with you to get better via the Iowa energy. Um, and then this summer, there will be no mutual obligation. We have no, we no longer have restricted rights. We have no fourth year option. You will be a free agent, but we, we like you. We believe in your talent. We've invested a lot of time and money into you. If you are ready to play this summer, we will try to bring you back. That I th- I'm pretty sure all of that is legal under the CBA. The complication with that would be, it would be the similar situation to P.J. Harrison last year, where because you gave up that option, you can't pay him more than the option. And so if P.J. Harrison, it was, if he's bad, you don't want him back, and he's good, you can't afford him right, because right. someone else will pay him more, you would have a similar situation with Jordan Adams, except he's probably not going to play in the NBA at all this season, and so there wouldn't be as much of an impetus for someone else to want to pay him anyway. I would try to sort of work my way around the CBA to do that kind of thing where – you're still sort of with us, but you're not on the roster anymore. Thoughts well, I'm glad you brought up Iowa because see, they, therein lies the rub with Troy Williams. They are scared to death that if they send him to Iowa, somebody will snatch him somebody up. Somebody will grab him. And right. then this is this is Hassan Whiteside all over again. Yep. You know, so they, you know, you, you just can't miss out on this. Let time. me let me just so people understand, Chris. What are the what are the repercussions of cutting salary cap? Whatever. What are the repercussions, either financial or salary cap related, of cutting Jordan Adams? Well, the money for this season is all guaranteed, right? So all all, all of that one point four or one point five, I don't have it in front of me. Whatever the salary is this season, you pay it all, and it's all it all stays on your cap. And so then whatever else, whatever you sign Troy Williams or whatever new player for, it's just more which money they have, on your they, Which they have money for but it to do. But it's right. sunk cost Incidental, already. Right. right. And so the, the real financial ramification is you no longer have that play, that cheap player option for him next season. So you lose that leverage. And so that's the risk you take. But frankly, at this point, we don't know whether Jordan Adams is going to be a player at all. Do we think anyone in the organization, uh, Ron, still believes in Jordan Adams? I, I mean, I know that, for example, Dave Yeager said fully healthy he hated (laughs) he he said fully like it's not even injury like he didn't ever think he was going to be an nba player well Um, dave dave also hated james i know right right right. um but do do we think like jay was as we all know he was a john hollinger pick injuries got in the way do we think that anyone in the organization still believes in jordan adams and the potential of jordan adams you know i i don't know chris may be able to answer that better because i i just can't find anybody to talk to uh, about him. I mean, like, I, it, it, he's almost like a ghost. I mean, like, when you see him, you're like, whoa, you just, you know, you dump, you jump back because it's like, oh, there's Jordan Allen. I, I can tell you at one point, this was about a year ago, I, I said what we what Jeff just said, what everyone says, this conventional wisdom, well, you know, Jordan Adams was Hollinger pick, right. and someone else in the organization raised their eyebrows at me and said, so, no. That there was more. It wasn't. It, was it wasn't more, just no. That, right. that that it was not just that. It, it basically, it was someday I'll, I'll show you. I'll you know I can tell you more. But Hollinger liked him, but he was not alone in liking him. That is, that is that was well. The, I, I think uh, we were right to assume that it was an analytics pick. Yes. 
Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, but we don't know whether anyone still believes in him or not. There's no reason not, if you believed in him at one point, there's no reason to not believe in him other than the injuries, because he hasn't done anything on the floor that's proven, disproven anything. But I'm glad Ron brought up James Ennis, because what, what I was suggesting with Jordan Adams, I mean, is similar. They cut James Ennis last year because of a roster crunch, and they went and signed him again, signed him right back this summer. And so, you know, you could cut Jordan Adams, and it's not out of the question you bring him back next year. Yeah. Uh, it's, any, you have any other additional thoughts on this round that you wanted to, before we move on? No, let, let's move on. I mean, let's talk about Mike Conley because uh, we've been talking about who might make the roster and, and, and all of that. But uh, quietly, Mike has had a fantastic preseason. In fact, uh, our Mr. Numbers game contributor, Peter Edmiston, is, is uh, posting a, uh, an article about Mike's preseason. Um, it, and Fisdale talked in depth at practice yesterday about how it's a combination of things. Mike, Mike is as healthy as he's been in a long time, and now the system is suited for Mike Conley. How about that? Well, are you surprised, Ron, how well the system seems to be suited for almost everybody right now? In terms of how 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 I know it's preseason, but in terms of how quickly and effectively the the system changes have have, have taken hold, like it's it's been way more seamless. From an appearance, I've, you've been at these games. I haven't, but yeah. it seems way more seamless than I would have expected. Well, I'm I'm surprised too, but at the same time, I understand why and how it's happened. You know, Fisdale, you know, didn't dilly dally around. He says we're going to play fast, and, and you know how we're going to play fast. Zach, you're going to the bench. <laughs> you know, and he says, you know, we're going to get up and down the floor and uh, improvise on offense. And you know how he did it? They probably got two or three plays. Um, so, you know, he, they're, they're practicing what he's preaching. And, you know, as Mike has said, Mike Conley, you know, there's so much space on the floor. He went, he went to get a layup uh, a few times and kind of double clutch because he was expecting somebody to come and there was nobody in the lane. He was used to running uh, into Marker Zach's butt, right? Exactly. <laughs> and then I was teasing Mike Conley. I said, I see you got your little post-ups in there. I said, this uh, Fizdale Freedom is something else. And so he's grinning. He's like, no, I got three post-ups, and I can tell you what happened on every one of them. <laughs> Mark got a three, and I got a couple free throws, and, you know, he went on and on and on. So it's definitely uh, run and gun, uh, you know, uh, free-flowing offense. But I, I think unlike the past coaches, you know, who, who try to do it on the fly, Fisdale has kept it simple but also made constructive moves toward playing this way. Yeah, um, I, I know that uh, in one of the podcasts that I missed, early podcasts that I missed, I think Peter was sitting in uh, for that one, Peter Edmiston, you, Ron, tried to get Chris Harrington to predict the Grizzlies' win total. Chris absolutely refused at that point to, to predict a win total, and I think we'll have one more. It's on before the opening opening night, right? So are you going to hold off, Chris, for another week with the win total, well, or are I, you going to give it to us now? I, I did my now traditional three years in, 30-team NBA preview. I did the first half of it this week, uh-huh. 30 through 16. The Grizzlies were not on that list. They so were they, not. So I they will that. be yeah. 1 through 15, and I predict the record for every team in the NBA. And so whether that posts tomorrow or more than likely Friday morning, it will have a record prediction for the Memphis Grizzlies. In okay. the business, they, they call that a <laughs> Let me ask it. Let me ask both of you this: The GM survey came out uh, this week, and the GMs think the Grizzlies will be seventh. Ron? Oh, I I think that's not unreasonable. I, I you know I I think five to seven. Um, I, I you know there's so much uncertainty here with T 
Chandler Parsons, you know, obviously how effective Mark can be going forward, how they'll manage Mark. I mean, think about this. They played three games in five nights, and Mark played in all of them. And if he had just set out – In preseason, which is crazy. Yeah, yeah, right. And so, like, if that's indicative of how they're going to manage him in the regular season, then, oh, boy. Because if he had set out against Houston, he would have had, like, five days to rest before this game tonight, you know, and, uh, you know, after the, the Tulsa game. So, you know, that's how they should operate. But, but all that said, um, you know, it's it, – it's just so much uncertainty with injuries. I mean, I, it, it, I, yeah. I do think they're a playoff team, but I, I don't think they're top four. It's an, it's 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 an predictions are always ridiculous, to, right. to, but whatever. But you get the conviction about a team or not or whatever. But truly, when the prediction centers on a bone in a foot that we can't possibly know how it's going to hold up, right. or when it hold, when it when the prediction uh, centers on a knee of a player that we've never seen play in a Memphis Grizzlies uniform, or when the, those are predictions that are. I guess you can say, I think Mark will play 60 to 70 games, and therefore right. I think this. But it's really one, someone, I mean, everyone always says, if healthy, they're a 50-win team or north of 50 wins. I don't think anyone thinks there's going to be perfect health on this team. That's an absurd, if that's what they mean, you know, that everyone is available for 75 games or more, that is clearly not likely to happen. So I think predicting perfect health is silly. And so I guess we just do a range. And I think, well, I think you, yeah, go ahead. I, I, did a, I did a podcast, I guess it was two weeks ago. It was right before I went on vacation. I did an hour long Grizzlies preview podcast for, for Nate Duncan. These mm-hmm. Grizzlies dunked on podcast things. I did the Grizzlies one with him. And what I said to him was, I, I think this is a wide variance team. Maybe one of the widest variance teams in the league in terms of I could see them winning, getting in the 50s. I could see them getting down to the mid 30s, like just depending on how things shake out. And so in terms of like that, that seven seed prediction from the GMs, I mean, my sense is a little preview of what I'll have on Friday. My sense is that the two conferences are sort of mirror images this year, East and West. They both have a, a, a prohibitive favorite, the Cavs and the Warriors. They both have a two team second tier, Celtics and Raptors in the East, Clippers and Spurs in the West. And they have a. They both had third tiers. We can go five or six teams deep of teams that could be the four seed. And the Grizzlies are in that are in that group. But that's five or six teams deep, which means you could also miss the playoffs, right? Right. Yeah. Well, I, I feel comfortable predicting that they'll make the playoffs. Heck, I mean, they 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 used twenty eight different players last year and made the playoffs. They made forty two. Got forty two wins, right? Yeah. Yeah. I so I, I think they'll make it. They, they. You know, I think you're right, Jeff. I mean, it's kind of silly to predict the record, though. They built they built much of that playoff record with a healthy Marcus Saul, and yeah, they finished like three and sixteen or whatever finished, down the stretch. So if if he if his foot goes Boeing, I'll predict no playoffs. But but I don't you know who knows. The other just to touch on that survey a little bit. One of the striking things to me was um, I don't mean to, to pick up on the chip on the shoulder thing. There wasn't a lot of Grizzlies in that survey, and including Mark is now the. It, he was the best center in the league last year. Now he was what six? He was fourth. He was fourth. fourth. One of those was Anthony Davis. Yeah, He's really a power um, forward problem. And, well, I uh, mean, and DeAndre Jordan. I mean, like, really? DeAndre right. Jordan's better than Mark. I, <laughs> that's crazy. Fisdale was not among the the coaches who either moved or the new coaches. He was not listed among the five or like whatever most impactful, which I think was a miss. I think he is clearly right. one of the most impactful. Uh, the one who Gasol um, also fell off the best international player perch. Right, I was, I was surprised he. Honestly, Antetokounmpo um, take that, but that that's that's the pro, that's just strictly a byproduct of the foot injury, right? Yeah, I, I think yeah. a lot of this is just foot injury. The one the one place where Memphis uh, 
reigned was Tony Allen, the toughest player in the NBA. Repeat. (laughs) Repeat toughest player in the NBA. Let me ask you, we'll we'll wrap up here in a second. What do you foresee this year for Tony, uh, uh, Ron? Is this, I mean, at some point, he's still been an extraordinarily effective defensive player. He actually hit three-pointers last year, too. What do we see uh, for, uh, for Tony Allen this year? Well, I, I don't think there's any question he's, he's going to be a, a lockdown defender. I mean, I, he just takes great professional pride in that. And, you know, Tony gets away with a lot of stuff. He can grab and hold and almost kick and bite you <laughs> to guard you. But, uh, it, you know, that's an interesting question because we heard about practices the first week of training camp and how Fisdale moved Tony around. He was playing point. He was doing other different things within the offense, but we didn't get to see it because Tony didn't play in preseason games. Uh, so Fisdale is known for player development, not just with young guys, but with veteran players. It'll be, it'll be interesting to me to see how he's used. I don't think, he's, I don't think we're going to see much point Tony. I mean, I'm going to go in on a limb. Who's going to be – you tell me, Chris, who are the, 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 the points at the – the minutes at the two position. Like it's sort of a muddle now. We don't know that Tony's yeah. healthy. Vince, what? Yeah, Tony. And Troy Daniels has made a shot. Yeah, yeah. Troy Daniels. You got Wade Baldwin and Andrew Harrison. Yeah, <laughs> I think going to happen the, at the two? I think they're going to cobble it together all year. I do think at the end of the season, I think Tony Allen will have played the most minutes at two guard, and who will play the second most minutes? I don't. I don't know. I really don't know. You you, you would hope it would be Troy and Daniels. This isn't even but, one of the mysteries. As much as the backup point guard is a mystery. Yeah. yeah. All right. We got plenty to talk about next week too. Uh, enjoy the uh, chill up there, Ron. And we will uh, have a safe trip home. And we will talk to you next week. This is the commercial appeal.